The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com. This is Barron's Live. Each weekday, we bring you live conversations from our newsrooms about what's moving the market right now. On this podcast, we take you inside those conversations, the stories, the ideas, and the stocks to watch so you can invest smarter. Now, let's dial in. Hi, everyone. Welcome to a special installment of Barron's Live. It's Alyssa Corum, Multimedia Content Editor at Investors Business Daily, joined today by Scott St. Clair. He is manager of IEBD's Premium Products Group. And today we are going to be talking about offensive sell signals for active investors. Scott, good to see you. And I feel like this discussion, even though we've seen a big sell-off or you know, a resurgence of the sell-off in recent days, Offensive selling is something that investors should really be thinking about right now to add to their toolkit. Selling is just so important. I agree. I, I think uh, having uh, a strategy to exit uh, individual stock is of utmost importance. Um, whether you're going to sell offensively, defensively, However, a lot of it is personality-based, I think, the type of trader you are slash investor, but it's an absolute must. And most people don't think about it. It's not as fun as buying. When you buy something, you're super excited. It's, it's, uh, it's going to go up a, a ton and you have all these great dreams of how much you're going to make on it. But selling is, is like, that's it. That's the end. Mm-hmm. I, can't, I can't make any more money if I sell it at that very moment. So. Uh, yeah, I think most people don't think about selling enough. Mm-hmm. Protecting your profits, especially in the environment that we're in. So knowing your personality as a trader, that's important. And I also think knowing what type of market you're in, you may uh, be positioned a little bit differently, quicker to act on the on the selling front. So there's there's a little bit of a, a ripple effect with that. And, and then also, I think taking a step back with selling, you know, good traders know, uh, you know, active investors know that you have to cut your losses at a certain point, have a rule for that to make sure that uh, a bad trade doesn't turn into a huge mistake. But as you're saying, Scott, I think it's even better traders who are really dialed in on that profit taking side, because that is so tricky. Yeah, it is hard because, you know, most of the time, if you sell something that's gone up, um, there's a reason it's gone up. Either the market's good, the company's good, or probably both. And I always say, you know, why should the stock stop going up just because I sold it? I wish it would. It would create, it would get rid of that, uh, you know, that FOMO factor that we all have because we sell it and it keeps going up. I find that tends to happen almost always if I'm selling something on the way up. But then I look back three, six, nine months later, and a lot of times, wow, that turned out to be a a very good sell, even though initially it did continue higher. Mm -hmm. That's that's the hard part about selling into strength is because everybody wants to sell near the high, if only it were that easy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's such a good point. And so uh, we have an inside joke, Scott, with you on IBD Live. So those in our audience who who tune into that are are familiar. But you always like to say, "Sell when the ducks are quacking." So uh, you know you are so good at selling into that strength before you start seeing those signs of weakness. So why don't you talk a little bit about that strategy and why that is something that you lean on so much? Well, first of all, I'd love to take credit for the quote, but uh, you know, like every quote I've ever given, I've taken it from somebody else. So I, I don't know who invented that quote. I think it came from the, the, um, the CBOE. I, I actually tried to figure out where did this quote come from? <laughs> where did it originate? Somebody said that. You know, in essence, it means when things are good, you know, you want, you, you want to do some selling, you know? So, um, I just found, I don't know, it, it, profits are slippery. They're like eels, you know, they, you, you have them and then you look back and they're gone, you know? And so 
I, I just found that for me, I don't know if it's just my the way I trade or the strategy or whatever, but I just found I was always better off taking some of the profits. Maybe not take all of them. I've actually tried to be better at, at that, you know, rather all or none, but I am almost always, Ali, if I have something that's working in my favor, I, I'm doing some some selling into that strength because I, they just they just tend to get away. Yeah, most stocks uh, aren't, aren't there. There are very few NVIDIA's and Google's and Tesla's, and we're all striving to you know to buy it and watch it go up tenfold. It's every trader's dream, but it's it's really hard. That's 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 a very difficult uh, process to 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 capture. It is. So in this webinar today, we will be going over some various examples, uh, whether it is holding a stock for a bigger move and then recognizing when the uh, tide has started to shift a bit, what you should do in that scenario. Also, for, for even new buys, when should you be really quick on the trigger? So a lot of different scenarios that we want to talk to and then get specific with some actionable takeaways for rules and tips that investors out there can start adding to their trading toolbox. So I, you mentioned NVIDIA. So why don't we go there? I'm showing a weekly chart here. And as we know, NVIDIA had this amazing move coming out of the 2020 coronavirus crash, built a cup with handle base, and then that launched a big move. But it, it did take some time off uh, in the you know September 2020 to uh, May 2021 area before continuing on its move. And Jojo, my dog, is very excited about this discussion. <laughs> Uh, but at some point, the uh, the environment changed for a lot of tech and software and chip stocks. And now NVIDIA, after uh, going as high as you know, almost 350 in late November 2021, is back below 160 and right around the levels it was trading at in uh, uh, over a year ago, Scott. So walk to us, walk to us, walk us through, talk to us about some of the selling strategies, selling into strength. Say you got in NVIDIA back in April 2020. What, how, how should investors be approaching this from a selling standpoint? So there's two ways. If you're trying to really capture a big win, then I think you wanna use one of those two moving averages that you see on the chart. The red one, which is the 10 week moving average, and then um, the black one, which is 40 week moving average. So if you're really trying to capture a big gain, you get ahead on something, then maybe you wanna use that 40 week. The problem with the 40 week is by the time you get that signal, you know it, it's gonna be significantly off the highs, 25, 35%. And it's going to be hard for you to sell psychologically because you're going to have that regret. Ah, I, I should have sold it at 300. Um, I'll sell it when it gets back there, right? I've heard that a hundred times as a stockbroker in my early days. You know, it, I should have sold it at 200 and now it's 150. I'll sell it when it gets back to 200. And you know how, you know the drill there. They, they rarely get back there. So, if you're, you know, you have to understand your plan and know that you're not going to get the high. And so when it breaks that 40 week line, then you, you've, you've reached the, uh, the signal and then you're out, you're out at, uh, let's say 230 or 240, um, or even 210, which is, you know, 60 points uh, from where it is now. The other strategy is sell it while the going is good, rather ducks are mm -hmm. quacking. And there's, there's a lot of tools you could use, like an upper channel line uh, sticks out like a sore thumb for me on on Tesla. I'm sorry, on Nvidia. If you, if you uh, <laughs> we will look at, we will yeah, look at Tesla. There you too. go. That line right there, exactly. So you can. So for see those listening who aren't watching live okay, and they're yeah. they're listening to the recording, we've connected the highs of Nvidia from April 2021. You can connect that to uh, July of 2021 late August of 2021. And then uh, in November, 2021, it goes above that channel line, Scott. 
Yeah. So the stocks, a lot of stocks have personalities. They have natural rhythms to the way they trade. Some are more volatile, some are less volatile. So what, once a stock starts to do something unusual, you need to heed that that signal, whether it's unusually positive in, in NVIDIA's case or, or the other way around. But you can see how it has a natural rhythm. It goes up, it pulls back, it goes up, it pulls back. But then that last go up, you know, goes from 200 to 350 in, you know, two, four, six weeks. That's, you know, NVIDIA is a massive, massive company. You know, as we sit here, it's almost 400 billion. So, you know, that's for a stock to go up 50% in seven weeks uh, is an unusually positive, strong move. And, and after already having made a big move, right? It wasn't, it's not like NVIDIA is coming out of this long uh, period where they've gone sideways for a long time. So, you know, it's easier in hindsight. That's why you should study these charts. So the next time you have XYZ and it exhibits these characteristics, you'll, you'll be more apt to say, ah, I know, I know that this tends to lead to some kind of pullback. Maybe I ought to do some selling into this. But that was a great time to do selling into that unusual strength, you know, 50% in seven weeks on the largest semiconductor company in the world. I'm, I'm assuming they're the largest. They might not be, but <laughs> one, of. one of, yeah, for sure. And definitely the leader, right? And that's, you know, that's an offensive sell signal for sure. It is. So it, you can create these channel lines. There's, there's a little bit of an art and a science to it, but you want to be connecting at least three points in the you know prior couple of months. And if you see the price move above that channel line, that is, as you said, an offensive sell signal. And then it comes down to, okay, well, how much of my position say 10% of my portfolio is in NVIDIA. At that time, should I be selling all of it? Uh, I, I'd imagine in real time, it, uh, and, and this is where you know, the approach that you have is, um, is, is so fascinating because the, I feel like the gut instinct, that you know, the emotional side, that greed is, things are going so great I want to make even more money. Why, why sell here? But uh, there are so many instances that have shown that at least taking some off the table, as you said, while, while the getting's good is a very sound strategy. Yeah, it, it's a lot of art. Unfortunately, there's no perfect answer. I, I like to do things in increments. That way I, I don't have this all or none fear of right. making a mistake, right? So Let's say I have a thousand shares and I sell three hundred at two fifty, and a week later it's two seventy. Well, you know, I would love to have those three hundred shares back, of course, but I still have seven hundred, you know. So I'm still doing just fine. And then maybe I'll take, I'll go from seven hundred to four hundred, four hundred to two hundred, or sometimes, usually, it's a, it's usually about three trades to that would get me out. Uh, on the way up if I was doing that. And most of the time, the nice thing about doing some selling is it gives you an anchoring point. So we're all human. We anchor to prices. We, you know, it, it, we know what we paid for something. So you can anchor to that price. Use that in your favor. So if I sell some at 250, I'm going to remember that sell. And if it's 255, 260, 270, well, that that's a bad sell, right? I wish I hadn't done that. So I, I've get, I've gotten feedback that maybe the stock is is doing okay, and and I can leave it. Let's say I take off another two hundred at three at three hundred dollars a share, and now it's two ninety, two eighty, two seventy. It's like, whoa, that was a really good sell at three hundred. Maybe I ought to do more selling, you know, since that turned out to be a, such a good sell. So you can give yourself these these kind of anchor points along the way if you have a hard time selling. Most people I talk to, the, the, the feedback I get is I was up X amount in ABC and I gave it all back. I hear mm. that a lot, you know, from yeah. people, um, you know, because everybody wants to capture that really big winner. 
And um, it's, of course, I would love to, too. I just find that it's, it's, there, it's not as easy as it seems after the fact. <laughs> because I've it's been so in nice. all of them, Allie. And, you know, I've been, you know, and I remember how strong and great Yahoo was. Uh, in, in, and I was, you know, in Yahoo uh, for bits and pieces along the way. And ultimately, it never came back. And then Google comes around and Google has... You know, I probably thought, well, Google will do the same thing as Yahoo, but it hasn't. It's just powered and powered and powered. So, you know, and that was the one to keep. Yahoo was the one to sell. But I don't know. I don't know how you would know that in real time for sure. So, uh, you know, once in a while, I think this, the best strategy might be if you have 10 stocks, you're an offensive seller on eight of them. And then just pick the two that you really love. You know, I think it's Tesla, Apple, Google, XYZ Pharmaceuticals is the next great one. And I'm not going to take, you know, 20, 25, 30% profit in this one and try to make it work. And if you get that once in a while, let's say every 18 months, you stumble into an NVIDIA or a Google or a Tesla or Square you know, it can really move the needle on your portfolio. In, but some of them you're going to have to be willing to give back all of the gains if you're going to do that. Uh, so you have to remember, I'm not going to get all of them right. If I pick two out of 10, I just hope I get one of those. Maybe one is Square and one is PayPal and PayPal gives back all the gains, but Square doesn't. Um, you know, this is stuff I think about a lot and, and um, there is no perfect strategy. I wish there was, I might, hopefully I'd stumble upon it, but, um, you know, you really want to think about how, you know, that type of strategy, something that would fit. Um, and you have to, you have to believe in it so that when the, the time comes, you say, you know what, that was my strategy to sell that in the strength. I'm going to do that. or Mm -hmm. is like for myself, it's really hard to not want to take those profits. I have to say, Scott, you told yourself that XYZ was the one you're going to try to keep for a big win. And, you know, follow the rules, follow the plan you have and, and mm -hmm. give it a chance. Right. Because with, with a square or a PayPal, I think, I think at some point, even if you're giving the trade a lot of room and trying to hold it for a big win, you have to have a point at which, you are going to get out. Maybe your uh, profits have diminished. You're not selling at the top, but would you really want to give back an entire huge move? Like for for Square here, uh, coming out of the COVID crash, it was it was around sixty or so. Made it all the way up uh, to just shy of three hundred, and it is now back below sixty. So. I think even if you have those, you know, big name brands that we're all we're all so familiar with as as game changers, uh, at some point you have to look at the chart instead of just think because this is these are questions that I I see too is okay well you know give me your five year price target on Google or on Square and hey it's really it's really cheap right now so if the next five years could be very positive for the stock. Then, then why not get in at these levels? So I know this is more kind of a, a buying thing or a reason to hold, um, but I think that also impacts the selling side as well. Yeah, I would never do that, Allie. I've never, I've never been anything down fifty percent off the highs, at least not on purpose. <laughs> it <laughs> happened to me one time where you know a company pre-announced or the earnings were bad and the stock was down 50% in one day. There's nothing mm. I can do about that, but you're right. I would, I, I would be a seller. If you look at history, you know, there, there are very few apples and Googles and Amazons. And the other thing is, is you can always buy it back. I mean, I, there's no rule that says I bought Yahoo at 20 and sold it at 30. Therefore I cannot buy it at 35. I, you know, it's, it's a strong ego, weak judgment. If you refuse to buy something at a higher price that you think that your setup says is going higher, I have no problem buying stocks at much, much higher prices than I ever sold them before. If I think there's a, 
the setup is there for, for it to go higher. So that will help alleviate a little bit of that selling fear as well is, you know what, you can buy it again. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's always available to you. Uh, the problem is once they break like Square has, the math is cruel. The math goes against you. You know, for Square to get back to 250, let's say, which is, you know, sort of, you know, within a stone's throw of new highs, mm-hmm. how much does it have to go up? Almost 400%. It almost has to quadruple, you know, maybe 350. So, you know, how, how many stocks go up 400%, 300%, you know, the, the, those mm-hmm. are the, the gems in the stock market. So once they break, uh, it's just really very difficult for them to come back because you have uh, a lot of overhead supply. A lot of people uh, are stuck at higher prices. So every time Square tries to go up, there's somebody out there that's just glad to get out near even. And, mm-hmm. you know, remember the stock market, it has a rhythm to the earnings and sales of these companies. So they're not breaking this poorly just because. Uh, a lot of times the market is anticipating changes in their business, disruption in their business, earnings slow down, and that can go on for a long, long time. So you you, you might be stuck in something that goes sideways forever, best right. case. And then you have what we'd call dead money. Mm-hmm. So if Square goes between 50 and 60 for the next 10 years, you know that's money that you could have in another name potentially that goes from 50 to Right. Right. Yeah. A big opportunity cost there. All right. So, Scott, we talked about a lot of different sell rules for handling big multi-year winners. And now I want to talk to you about something maybe a little bit more on the uh, short term trade side. So this year we've seen a lot of oil and gas stocks making big moves. So we have this backdrop of a stock market correction. And all of 2022, it seems though, underneath the surface, there have been select opportunities in a lot of commodity related names, and especially oil and gas. But I'm going to pull up FLNG. This is an LNG play. And this is a stock that you recently traded, as did I, full disclosure. Um, and it hasn't been the the smoothest ride up. But I feel like this is this stock is a great example on multiple fronts, where knowing knowing what type of environment you're in, even if you're trading stocks in leading groups, feeling comfortable with taking quick profits, and how where you enter a stock can have a huge impact on where it is you're selling. Yeah. You see, this stock has, you know, in the short term here, it had a natural rhythm, right? It tended to live around that that 50-day line, that red line. And so I was a seller into strength and then I would buy it at or near the red line, you know, and, and of course it doesn't work that perfectly. Sometimes um, you might get in a little early or it it, it will just kind of wear you out a little bit, but it just has a natural rhythm. So that's something that I noticed. And so I would trade it accordingly, you know, based on, on that, buy it at or near that red line. And, you know, if it runs up 10, 15, 20%, something like that, then I'm going to take it off. If I had 10 stocks, like I talked about, this would be one of the eight. I'm look, you know, I'm looking to sell those eight uh, offensively into some short-term strength. Mm-hmm. So I have a trend line drawn on this uh, chart because not only can we draw trend lines to signal a break of an upper channel line, but we also use declining tops trend lines to identify potential buy points for a stock. So the team identified one such buy point on June 2nd, when it cleared a declining tops trend line also coincided with a a heavy volume move, uh, rebounding off of that 50 day line, the red line, as you said, Scott, so uh, a potential buying opportunity there. Uh, But uh, two days later, you were selling the stock. So that's a quick move, just two days, two days later, and maybe you were even 
I, I don't know. Were you taking some initial profits off by the end of of that uh, day on June second as well? No, it's not enough of a move. But I, I sold in thirds, but the the all all three sales occurred on the same day. You know, so I just it just I sold it, and then it got you know stronger and sold it, and then you know then it when it you know ultimately was up. I don't know. I think it was up like 15% on the day. I just know it's not sustainable that, you know, that's, you know, it's going to come in most likely based on the rhythm. There's going to be a time where it comes into that 50 day again. Now my, my, like, I didn't know it was going to do like it did break immediately. I, down. I thought <laughs> come in naturally to the 50 day over a number of weeks, like it has. Uh, but, uh, it didn't, it broke, um, you know, on the, I think there was some natural gas news that right. caused the stock to break and it hasn't come back yet, you know, and now, now it looks like that rhythm is broken that the, 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 the personality of the stock has changed. Mm -hmm. And so some people who are familiar with patterns to buy stocks, um, you know, might recognize this as the day that you sold as a day in a bull market, perhaps as a as a day to buy. It's it's getting to new high ground, clearing clearing a prior high. But knowing what type of market you're in can mean having a, a tighter leash and going with an earlier entry makes all the difference of selling having a profit and selling into strength where you sold, or if you waited to buy at that point, then you would have had to use a defensive sell rule of you know it, taking a loss of up to seven or 8%. Yeah, so it, you have to remember though, it's, it's breaking out after being up 26% in four days. Right. So I, I'm always thinking, you know, that doesn't mean it can't continue, but everything is probabilities and you want to just kind of put the odds in your favor as best you can, because this is an imperfect science. We, you know, it, we're, we're doing the best we can with the information we have. So I just think 26% in four days, uh, that's, you know, that's enough for me. Like imagine you held a stock XYZ, you know, for six months and it went up 26%. You'd be pretty excited about that. That'd be a pretty good trade. So, you know, I didn't, I don't have this intention that I'm going to hold it for four days. You mm -hmm. know, I hold it as long as it's acting well and hasn't reached either one of my targets, whether it's my upside target or my downside target. And if it hap if, if it happens in four days or four weeks or four months, once it reaches my upside target, I'm gonna do some selling. Uh, that and so now you have to, you know, some people don't like to be that active. That's fine. There are stocks that I've sold like this and and got lucky on the, you know, sold within moments of the high. But there's, you know, I could we could uh, scour this database for sure for stocks that I sold like that that kept on going. And and I'm okay with that. I I I live with it. You're not going to get it perfect. You know, some I'm going to sell too soon. Some uh, are going to keep going. But mm -hmm. I'm going to just keep doing that over and over and over, rinse and repeat, rather than what I find most people are going to try to. They're going to cherry pick it. Mm -hmm. This one I won't sell. This one I will. And I don't know how the stock market knows, but it knows. It knows <laughs> which ones you keep. It knows which ones you sold. <laughs> And, it, you know, it's kind of like sitting through earnings, you know, you, yeah. I, you know, I'm going to sell XYZ because of earnings, but I'll keep ABC and you know, the drill XYZ goes up and ABC goes down and you're just scratching your head. So I, I think you're, you have a, a set strategy and you just, you just do it. You just live with it. And, you know, and maybe as you go along and study and see how things are going, you can tweak your strategy a little bit. Uh, you don't have to, um, you know, mm -hmm. be set in stone. The market's ever changing. The market's really fluid. And uh, every time I think that, you know, I have, I have this down, the market will, will change course a little bit and you have to learn to kind of change with it. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for me, I've realized, and it and it seems simple, but it's it's kind of one of those you got to burn your hand on on the stove to to know it. Like a lot of these rules are, but uh, the pain of suffering a loss is is a lot worse than selling too early and and feeling like you missed out on an even bigger move. So I totally agree with you on. Uh, taking a little bit of that profit, even if even if you're looking at it and you feel like maybe it's it's too early in the move um, before you see those signs of weakness, go ahead and take lock some of that profit in um, because that's that's a whole lot better than uh, round round tripping a, a considerable gain. Like uh, someone in the Q and A, Gabriel is asking us about ExxonMobil. So going along with this uh, oil and gas theme, this is a stock that had a, a nice move higher in the last couple of weeks, going from about 83 to, let's see here, about 106. And it's given almost all of that, that back, Scott. Yeah, and if you look at Exxon on a weekly chart, you, you see, it's like, think about it, where where was Exxon in the cycle of this move, right? It was later on in the move. It's not exactly uh, right. the beginning. So you know Exxon's gone from thirty to a hundred. You know it's this is Exxon. It's a massive, huge company. So when you know knowing that it's made a a, a big move already, <clears throat> excuse me. If I was buying that um, that breakout, I think there's nothing wrong with buying that that breakout through ninety or whatever. But I would be a seller into that strength, or the very first time you get weakness, you need to cut bait and run. So when it, you know, when it gaps down from 100 to uh, 95 in one day, you know, your objective wasn't to make five points. Let's say you bought it at 90, but the market's giving you the signal that you know this might be the the only five points in this trade before it becomes a five point loss. So take that five points while you can. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's, you know, you're, 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 you're just kind of reading the tea leaves going along with the market uh, with the signals it's giving you uh, slowly, but surely day by day. Exactly. And there was a, a question from Melissa uh, along this, line of discussion saying that she has taken some profits, but not soon enough on uh, U.S. natural gas names. Should she be looking uh, now to European companies like Equinor, EQNR? Uh, so perhaps a, a little bit of a, a, a segue here to just uh, some quick chart analysis for, for something like this. Scott, what are your thoughts? Uh, it's setting up fine. It looks okay. You've got the blue dot, which means relative to the S and P, Equinor is is a, is strong. It's one of the stronger stocks in the market. But it, you know, you've you, it, there. I would say wait, wait for some type of strength. See if it can actually go up. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't think um, if if U.S. Uh, drillers slash oil and gas integrated are going down. It's unlikely that, you know, um, European are going to go up. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's kind of part, the thing about oil and gas, it's, it's kind of this part of this huge macro headwind or tailwind. And during COVID, when oil went negative, you could be the greatest oil company in the world. It didn't matter. Your stock went down 50, 60%. Some of them went down uh, even more than that. And, the other way, and it's worked the other way around. So, uh, but you, you, I, I don't see how this could could fight the tide of uh, of oil going down. If other stocks are going down, um, then this probably will have a hard time. You mm -hmm. know, it's not going to go up. Mm -hmm. it might, might go sideways, you know, but it's going to have a hard time going up. Yeah, something that we're monitoring it, is this uh, a base building period for many of the oil and gas names or has has this move been exhausted and now you know we're seeing signs that a, a number of them are rolling over and Amira is asking us about the XLE 
ETF, uh, which is uh, a proxy for this move in energy stocks with heavy weightings uh, in Chevron and Exxon, of course, but a big down week this week, down 17%. Uh, so it, Amira is saying it, that um, they've held it for a number of years uh, in our style, you know, we would have been looking at this and we were looking at this in early January. Speaking of a declining tops trend line, as I mentioned earlier, connecting uh, some of those highs, uh, we saw a big blast out of that the week of January 7th and a big move since holding the red line, which you mentioned, Scott, which is the 10 week line on our weekly chart, 50 day line on a daily chart. Uh, so talk to us about some of the offensive sell rules that uh, one could have used if you did get into XLE that first week of January. Yes, it's not as strong a channel line as NVIDIA, but there is a bit of a channel line. Um, and, you know, and sometimes it's, there's, you know, there's the sentiment out there, you, you kind of, you can kind of feel and, and get it. Uh, I like to use sentiment a little bit to tell me like where people are positioned, of course. And with the way tech stocks were, a lot of people have been positioned looking for higher prices in oil. Uh, and, and there was a day a few, uh, I should have pulled up the tweet. I, I tweeted where oil was up a lot, the commodity oil, and the oil stocks were not. And these are these are subtle clues that the, the the oil stocks were tired and probably needed to be sold. So that was there's little stuff like that. This wasn't as clean a sell signal from an offensive standpoint. Uh, but you've got your first defensive one. This is a pretty hard break of that ten week line. If if I can't remember the person's name, I apologize. But if they've held it for years and years and years, um, they've really held it through thick and thin. And and so, you know, maybe now is a great time to explore, you know, having some type of rule. I would use uh, the 40-week the line. So if you go back to that weekly chart, look look at the 40-week line back in 2019 and and. Look at look at how the stock is just like a total ceiling, right? It this price, this ETF could not get above that line. Nothing good happens below the 40-week line. Uh, it, you know, it's like your mom used to tell you when you were a kid, be home by one, right? Well, why did you have to be home by one or whatever, right? Because nothing good happens after 1 a.m., right? So this is the stock market and stocks, nothing good happens below that 40-week line. You want to be out of stocks below that line. So you could have been out of it below that line and waited it out. You missed the, the whole move down in COVID uh, in March 2020 when this broke really badly. And then once it jumped back above that line, there you go. Now, now if you really want this type of exposure, now it's back above the line and you know on a on a closing basis really let it show you you're not going to catch the low you know in hindsight it would have been great to buy it at 25 but there's nothing wrong with a buy at 40 you know you you almost had a double in an ETF you know that's that's a really great move so if you if you're going to try to hold things for a long long time and you just don't have any sell signals i, I would say if you take anything away from this today, Ali, is, is use that 40-week line. That'll keep you out of it, out of all the major bear markets, all the, the ones that really do the damage. And mm -hmm. it should, should, should help you stay the course in any mini corrections or stuff because most stocks are not going to break below a 40-week okay. moving average in just a mini normal correction. Right. That's a really good point. And one thing that I would add to that is ideally you're using that as a sell signal once you have attained a very solid profit cushion it goes back to you know one of the, the first examples that we used with nvidia looking at the uh, 10 week moving average is uh, a great sell signal that we like using for leading stocks that have made big moves but say say you buy a stock and it immediately falls you know 20 30 percent to, but it's holding above its 200 day. So it's just a little bit of a, a clarification. Um, yes. This is for that. 
the people that want to capture the the really big moves, the the stocks that go up two, three, four, five hundred percent. Absolutely. Uh, you know, if you're trying to do that, uh, then you then you use the forty week line. The problem with that strategy, because I've been trying it for years and years and years, it's very psychologically difficult. Because how how many times do you have to be wrong before you get that one that's right? Now mm -hmm. the math is in your favor. If I'm wrong five percent on ten names, but I get the eleventh one right and it goes up two hundred percent, and I'm using proper money management. Let's say I lost fifty percent, five percent, ten times, but I made two hundred percent on X Y Z. I finally got that great winner. Well, I'm net one fifty. You know, you get the idea using proper money management, but. I don't know how many people can be wrong 19 out of 20 times. Uh, it it takes, takes a very um, strong psychological person to do that. And most people who come into the stock game, if they haven't been doing it f forever, you know, they're usually very successful in their life. Uh, if you're a, uh, a doctor or a lawyer, or, you know, you're going to have a uh, hard time staying in business if you're mm -hmm. wrong 19 out of 20 times <laughs> or an engineer that's building bridges. You know, you, you are right all the time. These people are. And the stock market's just a different psychological animal. It takes some getting used to. A mm -hmm. lot of getting used to. Yeah. Me, 25 years of doing it. And I, it's, I find myself fighting that urge to, to follow <laughs> a rule sometimes, you know? Yeah. But I think that's what it comes, it comes down to is, you know, part of the issue is that you find a stock that you like, or say you've researched it, you can have all of the reasons in the world that this is a, a good thesis that you have. But if you're not looking at charts and relying on some rules, uh, that, you know, it's it's not good enough to spend, to, unfortunately, to spend all of that time researching for the many reasons that you outlined, just the the odds. So if you if you want to hold a long-term winner, I think you have you have to balance that with knowing that yes, in in the long run, the stock market broad broadly the broad market does go up but if you are trying to apply that to individual stocks a hand a handful of them and having heavy weightings in those i feel like that's you know a misapplication of of that uh, data point there i agree Is our, yeah, william o'neill they had a, a database going back 100 years of the greatest stock market winners and um, it's littered with stocks that have gone down 80% and not come back. So in, in the math- the Time and the place. Yeah, the math <laughs> is cruel. If, I don't care how much it goes up, it could go up 500%. If it comes down 80%, you've given back <laughs> all or, or most of your profits, right? So um, yeah, individual mm -hmm. stocks must have some type of sell rule. You If you don't want to sell, then buy mutual funds and mm -hmm. just- when buy low and, and just buy at any price. And that's what a lot of people do in their 401k and they've done fantastic uh, doing that. And, and that's, that's fine. You know, based on your age, of course, you might have right. to tweak it a little bit, but yeah, I, I, in my 401k, I, 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 I don't know. I don't look at it. I just, whatever price is, I just buy, I just mm -hmm. buy. But mm -hmm. for individual stocks, which I'm mostly in like 90% of, if not more of my liquid net worth, I use individual stocks and mm -hmm. I have a sell strategy for every single name, no matter mm -hmm. what. Yeah. Okay, Scott. So we're getting close to needing to wrap up here. Unfortunately, it always, it always flies by, but some rapid fire questions for you. One that I think is important to cover seeing this from several people in the Q and a, and that is how do dividends factor into your selling decisions or how should they factor into our audience's selling decisions? I don't consider them. FLNG had a dividend, you know, and um, uh, I, when the stock gapped down one day, it was because it was paying an, uh, a large dividend. So, you know, I, I, I know that I might be down on the stock that day, but the dividend's on its way. That might be the only time I would ever think about it. But um, you know, a 5% dividend, dividend in Exxon or whatever it might be is no good if you're down 20% on the stock. 
uh, you know, you're, you're going to have, if it goes sideways for four years, it, that's what it'll take that to, for you to get back even. So dividends are great. I don't really buy with that in mind, but sometimes they show up in my account and it's kind of nice. Oh, that's neat. You know, I, that little extra, but, uh, I wouldn't use that to make a decision mm -hmm. on a stock. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Brittany is asking about just a couple more specifics on uh, levels on the chart to look at to sell into strength. So we talked about uh, breaking of an upper channel line. What percent above the 50-day line or even 10-day line, uh, if you were really looking at something that was starting to look climactic, should our audience be looking at to gauge if they should be locking in some profits? It's a great question, a really good observation, because it would be nice if there was a, a, like a perfect number, like, hey, if it's 50% above the 50-day, you should do some selling. Uh, it, it depends a lot on the type of stock. So Exxon would be much different than NVIDIA, right? It's just the, the company dynamics, where they are in the cycle, their, their, their growth rate, you know, so... It, you're right to think about that. It's a really good thing that you're thinking about, but each stock is different depending on the, the, the industry it's in and the, uh, where they are as a company, you know, like I said, Exxon, just so big. So um, maybe go back and look at the stock historically, how it's traded and see like, where did it top and previous moves? So NVIDIA would be a really good, go back to 20, 16 and study nvidia you know okay this this move up it topped it 40 percent above the 50 day and this one it topped it 42 percent and then you'll 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 see a couple of data points that can help you piece uh piece that together mm -hmm. yeah that's, that's a really great point and then also for you know it's uh this reminds me more of what we saw in a, a 2020 or 2021 market but some of just the real high flying screamers uh, our research has shown that if it's about 20% above the 10-day line, that that's getting really extended from short-term levels. So that might be a place in which you would want to start locking in some profits as well. Uh, Scott, so, uh, we're also getting questions about um, moving sorry moving averages for the chart. So. The, what are some of the moving averages that you use? So we talked about the 40-week moving average, which the rough equivalent to that on the daily chart is the 200-day moving average. Similarly, the 10-week moving average is approximately the equivalent to a 50-day moving average. So any other moving average tips that you have for our audience out there? Yeah, I like... Um the uh, the 150 week moving average for the indexes uh not for individual stocks it's too far down but for indexes uh, you can kind of get a good idea of where um you know the the overall really long-term trend is and, and and in this cycle we've been in the nasdaq the last 10 years it's really done a very good job of holding that 150 it's not going to go there that often, uh, but it, it went there in 2018 and bounced off of it. It broke below it in 2020 in the COVID crisis, but only for a couple of weeks and quickly bounced above it. Uh, and and I'm looking at the chart now. We are we're we're working on our third week below that line on the Nasdaq. So um, you know if it if it can't bounce above that line another reason to think that we're in a you know a mm. longer uh bull market i'm sorry bear market than than we'd like so i i like that index for um in, i'm sorry i like that moving averages for right. indexes for okay. stocks i like the 21 day if yes that would be the the shortest i would go i think for me anyways mm. that even though i'm a shorter term trader it's crazy as it sounds <laughs> The 10 day is just a little too noisy for me. Yeah. So that uh, 21 day, many of us use an exponential moving average for that. Just, uh, just a little tip there. Okay. So Scott, we have to wrap. I would say in closing uh, from me, we've talked about when it comes to selling into strength, A, that is, that is so very important to start locking in profits when you have, have a good gain because you never want 
a decent gain to round trip on you or turn into a loss. You can handle long term winners differently than a shorter term trades, but you have to know your personality as a trader. You have to know the personality of a stock and you have to know what kind of market you're in and you have to have rules to help back up your decision making process. Scott, what from you would you say is the biggest takeaway right now uh, from this session today? Well, I would just tell most people that selling is hard. It's difficult. So don't don't be so hard on yourself. Um, like I'm my worst critic. You know, my wife always tells me, you're too hard on yourself, Scott, you know, because I want to get it perfect. I want to buy it here and sell it there. And I want to hold the apples and the Googles. And, it, you know, it's, it, there's a lot of money to be made by by not being perfect in the stock market. So don't don't beat up on yourself, you know, stay the course. You're going to make mistakes. You know, you just got to keep going and going. And, and one day there'll be a period, you know, where it clicks for you and you'll be like, wow, this is amazing. And then you're hooked. At least my experience is like for myself. And that for me was a long time ago, but I've seen it with lots of my friends and colleagues and people that we've come across in IBD. They, you know, they, they get it. And then it's, then it's, you know, then they'll go, they'll make some mistakes again and it'll be hard again and difficult again, a lot like the market we're in right now. It's um, I'm sure a lot of people are having a difficult time, but this will pass maybe not as quick as we'd like, but it will pass. And, and the people that kind of give up that aren't there, they won't be there for, for that next cycle. So that's the other thing about selling is you want to protect what you have at least a little bit that way you have uh, ammunition for the next cycle up you know and, and exactly. rather than a bunch of stuff that's beaten up and then hoping in the next cycle it comes back because based on history not all of these stocks are going to come back the teledocs the shopify's i don't know which ones but history says three out of four of those are not going to come back there'll be new leadership new companies coming along and so you're you're you know you want to have some cash available for those mm -hmm. new opportunities. Right. Yeah, we don't want to be holding and hoping as a stock is just making a, a huge decline. We want to be getting on the sidelines and keeping our capital ready for that next upturn as you mentioned. So we're talking all about bear market strategies, shorting ideas, other portfolio management tips every day on IEBD Live. Scott, you're one of our awesome panelists on IEBD Live every week. So if you want more Scott, make sure you tune in to investors.com slash IEBD Live. Uh, we're over there weekday mornings starting at 9.20 a.m. Eastern for the first 90 minutes of the trading day. So thank you so much, Scott, for all of your insights today. This was a lot of fun. Thank you, of course. I, I really like talking stocks, as you know, Allie. Um, so I appreciate the offer to be on the show. It was fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Thank you all so much for watching. We're both very passionate about what we do. And we know that that uh, equal passion and, and eager to learn is out there from all of you as well. So we really do appreciate you joining today. And that's all the time we have. Monday is a stock market holiday. So no Barron's Live, no IABD Live. But uh, join us on Tuesday, us as in Barron's Live on Tuesday, where Associate Editor for Technology, Eric Savitz, He's going to be speaking with Tyler Radke, Enterprise Software Analyst at City, for the outlook in the enterprise software space. So make sure you tune in for that on Tuesday on Barron's Live. Thank you so much for watching, everyone. And we'll see you back here next month. IBD does a monthly Barron's Live webinar. So we will see you back here next month. Thanks again. The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.